Hey, Blake, how's it going, man? Hey, man, I'm in. Dude, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm really well. How are you? I'm, I'm excellent, man. Hey, congratulations. Thank you. I really appreciate that. <laughs> Dude, you just had a stellar showing, man, at the NFA. Uh, like the, it was the the huge cluster of events. It's like they're they, yeah, yeah, they're calling it the the national roundup is what they're calling the it. roundup. That's right. Dude, right. So I think something should be said that I don't know if a lot of people would. I mean, you shot a bunch like basically like two major events back to back, right? Yeah, I, I'm actually a huge fan of how they're they're doing this. It sounds to me like they're not going to keep doing this in the future, which I'm I, I don't know. I, I, I wish that they would, because it gives guys like like myself a chance to actually go and compete in all three of those events. Whereas if they didn't have them all back to back to back in the same week, I mean, there's no way that I'd be able to go to Yankton three different times or what. Right. You know what I mean? So I, right. I think it's a really cool thing. Off. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just most people and I talked to so many people over there that were like, yeah, this is this is really a neat idea because there's no way I would have to pick one of them. Right. I wouldn't be able to do all three. And mm-hmm. and so it was it was a really cool thing. And I, I, I would like to see them do something similar in the future. Um, I heard that they were taking uh, like they sent out surveys to people to uh-huh. see what people thought about it. Um, and it sounds like they're getting good feedback as, uh, you know, as, as people want to keep doing it that way, but we'll see, we'll see how it goes in the future. That's sweet, dude. So what were the, the three events? I know one was field nationals and yes. then one was outdoor nationals. Yep. So they did. So the, the way that it worked is on Wednesday, you shot field, um, uh-huh. Thursday, you shot the hunter round and then Friday, you shot the animal round in the morning. And then in the evening you went and shot the qualification round for the first Dakota classic. Um, so cool. And then on Saturday morning, we shot the first round of the outdoor target nationals Saturday evening. We went and completed the first Dakota classic by shooting all the elimination rounds. And then on Sunday we completed the outdoor target nationals and then we were done. <laughs> Dude, that sounds like so much fun. And yeah, it, it really was. I, I, like I said, I'm a big fan of how they're doing it. It's just constant back to back to back shooting. Uh-huh. Um, Dude, yeah, but I think that there are going to be people that cannot. I think some people would be like, oh, I can't shoot that much. I think it's great for guys that are. I mean, I would love to do it. I would be all in, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I can't say I would do very well, but I, I do know I could make it. I could do it front to back, you know? Yeah, and, and not everybody shot all three. There was a lot of people, actually, that I met this weekend that they were like, well, I'm going to shoot field, I'm going to shoot outdoor target, or I'm going to shoot the Dakota Classic and outdoor target, but I'm not going to shoot field. And then there was, you know, a good handful of people that shot all three events. But, oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's, so not everybody awesome. shot all three. They just kind of pick and, ch- you know, choose what they wanted. But I don't know. They're, I, I would say over 50% shot all three. But so people can pick, you know, you can pick what you want to shoot. You're not yeah, you don't to have to all. shoot a- you don't have to shoot all three. You can you can go there and just shoot one if you wanted to. But it, you have the option to shoot all three, and they set it up in such a in such a way that if you do oh, want to shoot all three, you can. Dude, so um, so for field, you won it. Yeah, I did. Congratulations, so, dude! And I you. saw the guys in your group were Dan Button and like I know they flight everybody right for Correct. Sunday. Yeah, uh, was it Dan Button and Evan Baker? Were those guys in your group? Um, for field, let's see. Um, 
I had Daniel Carlton, um, Evan Baker, and Mike Pastelli. Um, they were flighted with me actually both days, like on the hunter round and the animal round, because the the top four stayed the top four. Uh-huh. Um, and then yeah, on the last day at outdoor target, I was with Danny Button, um, Mike Pastelli, and who else? Chance. Um, so there, there's yeah, but I get you know I got to shoot with those kind of the same group of guys, kind of you know the all three events, kind of the same same few people kept rising to the top there. So I got to I got to shoot with those guys a lot, dude. When I shot field nationals, I got flighted with Dan Button and Evan Baker. So when I saw that the, their names on your Instagram, I was like, oh, what the like those dudes are still up there. So they are, it, yeah. you yep. know, yeah. 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 Um, so yeah. So to recap, I mean, let's see. Um, we started, so I, I went to Alaska first, right? Uh So we had talked about that last time I was going to Alaska, uh, went up there and really shot a complete round start to finish. I shot a five fifty seven field, which Uh I shot an 18 on one target. So really I only missed on two separate targets. So Uh I really shot that well. Then I shot a 560 hunter round up there, actually. That's right. And, that is, you cleaned it. Yeah. And then I shot and then I shot a strong animal round. Um, ended up doing well there. So I was like, all right, well, that that's a that's a good confidence builder, right? So um went into nationals, shot a five fifty-five on the field, which honestly wasn't terrible. Um, I didn't feel like it was it, it was still the high round for the amateurs, but it, mm-hmm. it it wasn't amazing. It started out, it was thundering and lightning and windy and rainy and yeah. So Not me the... and Mark Rubio were following your scores live, right? Yeah. Okay. Our two records were the ones that were vic- like subject to be victim, and um, and it looked like when it, like just judging off of what I was seeing was that like the on the field day you were shooting in the rain. Yeah, yeah. It was it was tough to start with actually. Um, yeah, I'm not a big I'm not a big excuse guy, but I missed most of my five points very early on and it was super super dark to start the round and i just Uh shoot a little ten thousandths fiber and Uh my my little green fiber was just kind of washing out in the targets and i just i you know on the very very first target for score i drew back and i couldn't see my pen at all and i was like jesus you know and it was a it was the 65 yarder all four at 65 i was like this sucks Uh. this is this is not gonna go well so (laughs) i shot three i shot three in the middle and then missed the one and i was just like well thank god i got three of them god i you know i was worried that i was gonna shoot you know miss more than miss more than one for sure uh-huh. um and we had a bunch of kind of hard ones to start and i i just i shot a lot of 19s and then uh you know then then it started getting brighter out the the wind and the rain kind of calmed down a little bit and then i was able to clean most of the day from there on out but yeah. so a little bit of a rough start there um uh-huh. obviously the hunter round went really well for me um yeah dude we uh we started on a part of the course on the hunter round where in the first 10 targets we basically had all of the hard stuff out of the way for the day so we we had already shot both 70 yard walk-ups we shot both 65 yard walk-ups we shot one of the 32 yard fans we shot both 58 yard walk-ups we shot one of the 53 yard walk-ups so in the first 10 targets we didn't have a lot of challenging targets left so in the first 10 targets, I was already like, oh, man, this is doable. I think I can get this. Uh-huh. And uh, so so I was pretty confident most of the day that I was going to shoot a really good one there. Um, X count was not as good as, as it was in Alaska. However, in Alaska, I had a lot less competition. It, it was going to be, 
You know what I mean? Like if you don't have as much competition, it's easier to just sit back and shoot good shots when, when uh-huh. you you can kind of relax and just right, get right. inside your own uh, zone there. Yeah. So so in Alaska I shot a ninety three X round and then and then uh in nationals it was like low eighties. It wasn't as good. But I mean still still cool. Daddy um, clean is clean, man. Yeah clean is clean, dude. Yeah, That's, no, it's <laughs> such an awesome achievement. You will not hear me complain. That's what that was one of my uh that was one of my big goals, honestly. Since I like started you, shooting you, a bow, I'm sure you realize this, but you will forever be in the national record book. Yeah, like, I, someone yeah. can only match that, and will get their name next to yours. So you know when when uh when I first did it, it I was just like, oh man, you know that's really cool, and I didn't, I guess I didn't really realize how big of a deal it was <laughs> until somebody came up to me and was like, dude, no other amateur has ever done it. And Correct. two, you are only the eighth person to ever do it. So I was, so I was just like, oh wow, that that is actually a pretty cool thing. And then somebody told me later that I am the first person ever to shoot a five sixty in back to back NFAA events. No one's ever done that. So I was just like, okay. I mean, I I, I guess that is really really cool. So um, it, it's such an awesome achievement, dude. And like. I'm sure I'll get crap from my buddies, but I'm a fan, dude. I'm a huge fan of just what you're doing. I'm a huge fan of your work ethic. I'm a fan of your willingness to help people. Like, I don't know. I'm just, you know, that I have like, there's a couple people I fanboy out over, <laughs> and you just happen to be one of those guys. Oh, I <laughs> so, appreciate like, well that, done, dude. Again, I don't, I don't think that I'm anybody special. I mean, I, I look around and. And especially like you look in the pro class, I'm just like, no, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely not the best shooter here. That's for sure. I mean, if you if you took my scores and you added the X's, I think I came out to like tenth place or something in the field you know, in that in the is pro a class. Very humble way to look at it, but if, if you took all the class all the class talk out of it, right? The what you're doing is at an I don't want to say elite level because it gets thrown around so much. But it's like um, I've been thinking about it. Like I've been thinking about it all day at work today. It's like what you have done is like a very. I, I've heard someone describe it as a pure form of self-expression, and it's like not to get sometimes. What's the word? Metaphoric, right? But you've done this like form of self-expression to the cleanest ability. Like, and it's different for everyone. Sometimes. For some people, this really clean, like pure form of self-expression is like a really clean shot, right? And and for you, it's cleaning the round, and that's like I don't know. It's just something. That's, in my mind, it's really cool, and uh, I'm sure plenty of people out there agree with me. You know, I, it's just a, an awesome thing, and it's cool. You're going to be in the record books forever, dude. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I mean, I, it is a cool thing, and and when I when I sit back and kind of and and I guess actually take it in and and it it uh you know it's just, i i don't know i don't even really know what to think about it i just know that you know i started doing this about 10 years ago and i remember starting and looking at all the guys that that had these giant records and shooting these giant scores and just thinking god is this even is it even possible to get that good i don't right. even know but i'm gonna give it a try and see right so you yeah. know and that's it and and we talked about last time about just not putting limits on yourself and that's just kind of that's just kind of the way I've always looked at it. Is like, well, I don't know if I'm capable of getting this good, but let's give it a try and see. Right. Um, 
So one of my big goals that I always tell people, I was like, before I stop shooting a bow, someday I want to shoot a 560 in a tournament. And, and for me, it was like, I could do it in a local tournament. It, it didn't matter. And I got, I got a little bit of crap this year and I won't name names, but a little bit of crap this year from a couple of people that were like, Oh, you're, you're a little too proud of your 560 that you did at the club level. Right. And I was just like, man, a 560 is a 560. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Give me a break. So, so then I went and did it at sectionals and I was like, all right, well, how's that one? Right. And then I did it the (laughs) next weekend at nationals. It was like, all right, well, what now? You know, there you go. (laughs) um, Yeah. So, so field going to nationals field was the one that I was most confident in because like field and safari, like that's, that's the game that I feel like I'm the best at Uh Uh, with the, with the, with the first Dakota classic, I'd never even shot that format ever. Right. So I was right. like, I, I don't even know what to expect. I'm just going to stand here and shoot my arrows and we'll see what happens. It's um, like um, first Dakota classic I've shot before. It is like um, an indoor feed of round or I'm sorry, an indoor 900. Correct. It's, a, it's an indoor classic 600 is okay. essentially what it is. So you shoot 20 arrows at 40 uh-huh. on a 92 centimeter face. And then you shoot 20 arrows at 50 and 20 arrows at 60. And then you take that score and that's your qualifying score. And then you're going to shoot bracketed 15 arrow matches at 60 yards. That's right. winner advances. That's right. right. So I shot, I shot well enough to be seated second. I shot a 594, um, which I felt pretty good about. I felt like I let a couple get away from me at 60 yards, but still felt pretty good about it. Um, went into the matches, shot a, shot a strong one uh, for my opening match, shot a 147, moved on, um, in that one pretty easily. My second match was against Mike Pastelli, who he's the only other person besides myself that podiumed at all three events there this weekend. So Damn. I knew, I knew it was going to take a good one from him. And I, I, uh, I gave him a 150. So I shot perfect on that one to his 147. So he shot a really good one. I just happened to put them all in the middle on that one and uh-huh. then moved to the finals. And, me and the guy uh, that I was shooting against tied in the finals and we had to take it to a one arrow shoot off. And that one was actually kind of funny because when we go into one arrow shoot offs, I'm usually very, very confident because I've had a lot of success in one arrow shoot offs in my life. And uh-huh. this, this guy was like, Oh, I'm going to lose. Like I've never won a one arrow shoot off. And I'm just like, well, geez, you know? And, and it was funny because <laughs> I was thinking about, you know, the last podcast we did where we we're talking about like those negative thoughts. If you let that negative thought creep in, what are your chances of actually getting the result that you want? So this guy was being super negative. He was defeated before he even shot his arrow. Meanwhile, I'm sitting here saying like, yeah, I'm going to put this thing in the middle and I'm going to win this. And I draw back and I stuff it in the middle and he draws back and misses it. And I'm just like, man, I, I mean, this, this <laughs> This guy was plenty good enough to put it in the middle, and he just talked himself out of it before he ever drew back that arrow, um, <laughs> which is unfortunate for him. I mean, it's fortunate for me, um, but I mean, unfortunate, it is unfortunate for that that dude fought his way all the way to the finals and then talked himself <laughs> and then stupid. talked himself out of it. And it's like you know, you 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 can't do that to yourself. Uh-huh. So so that one was kind of surprising. I was just like, okay, well, cool, got got back-to-back wins here that's pretty cool so then we yeah. uh oh, blake so hold on real quick i have a, a listener i don't know if you know this but your episodes get the most listeners so far um someone wanted me to ask you how do you stay calm during your shoot-offs and i i, I think we covered some of that which is where you you know you talk positive right, right. so i i think 
learning how to stay calm. And, and I think it's probably different for everybody, but I think that if you asked most people who shoot well at a high level, I think that they would tell you that it wasn't always like that. Um, right. And, and certainly for me, I used to be a nervous wreck shooting off or, or shooting at any kind of level where, you know, you know, back in the day, if, if I was going into day two or whatever, leading a tournament, I would be a nervous wreck. I, w- I wouldn't know how to handle myself. If I was doing a one arrow shoot off for, for the win or whatever, I would be a nervous wreck and I would probably blow it. And I think over the years, as you start to have a little bit of success in those moments, right? Because you're not always going to have success, but the first time you draw back and you do plug one in the middle and your brain starts to say, Oh, okay, I can do this. You just start to build that confidence. And I think just over the years of having success and winning tournaments, I start to truly believe that, yeah, when I draw my bow back, I I'm going to put this arrow in the middle. Mm -hmm. And, and we talked about this last time, you know, where, where I said the, the biggest one piece of advice that, that I tell people that separates like elite level shooters from, from everybody else is that elite level shooters, every single time we draw our bow back, we believe that we will put that arrow in the middle and everybody else is just hoping that they'll put it in the middle. right? Right. So, so right. the, the guy that I shot off against with the Dakota Classic, I drew back and I said, I am going to put this arrow in the middle. I'm going to win this one arrow shoot off. And he drew back and he said, I hope I'm going to put it there. We'll see what happens. Right. <laughs> and, yeah. and that's the difference. And that's why I'm able to stay calm because I, I 1 million percent believe that I'm going to be able to do it. And I think that once you, once you start to get that belief in yourself, then it's not as hard. There's nothing to be nervous about because you know that you can do it, right? Nervousness yeah. is nervousness is nothing more than your your fear of failure, right? Like you're you're nervous because you're afraid that you're going to fail, right? So if if that fear of failure starts to fade away, if you start to tell yourself, "I'm not going to fail. I'm going to get this," then you start to not get nervous. And sometimes it's not going to go your way. Sometimes somebody's going to put one better in the middle or whatever but once you start to have that confidence in yourself i think that you you retain that and you don't really lose it yes i i think you are correct i think uh that confidence goes a long way yeah i i I really do believe that it's key i mean confidence is key and and i tell people this all the time i i have this conversation with people literally almost on a daily basis that if you were to look down the line at Vegas or whatever, you're going to notice that there are 400, 500 people that all look like they know what they're doing, right? Mm-hmm. They all appear to have a good shot, right? And and uh-huh. it's the ones that rise above everybody else are the ones that are confident and the ones that have that strong mental game. The ones that are sitting there hoping that they'll hit the middle are the ones that will struggle and fail. Right. That's actually really, really awesome. Like, I've never thought about that in that term like i i've always thought like i've I've hit this point where i'm like yes the people that do good get up there and they know i'm gonna solve this like how however i go about it that's up to them and the people that don't do good are the people that are like "Ooh, i I have to do this thing and oh i hope i get it and it's the i hope thing it's like i hope i get it that's exactly and 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 it's the people that hope and the people that don't the, the people that really struggle are the people that convince themselves that they don't like the pressure. They don't like the feeling of being nervous. And I think the people that, that are very successful under pressure are the people that really, really thrive on that feeling. Like, I love the fact 
that I go into something and I feel a little bit nervous. I like that. If the day that I don't feel nervous is the day that I don't actually care about what it is that I'm doing. And right. and there's no point in doing it anymore. Right? right. So, you know, like there's, so we, we compete and we do this because we like feeling the nerves. We, we like that adrenaline rush and we like having success in that moment. Right. That's oh, yes, the, dude. That's, totally. that's the, that's All the fun feelings. part of archery. Right. All that's, those feelings that, I don't know if, if this happens for you personally, but for myself, I've described it as like time dilation, you know, where you're, you're so focused that, you know, it, it almost seems like time slows down and speeds up. And then, you know, the pressure is doing all this stuff to you, like your physiology and everything. And it's like one of the coolest feelings you can get sober. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? Nope. Hundred percent right, and there, but there, but there are so many people out there that try to convince themselves that they hate that feeling. Like, oh man, I'm so nervous. I hate being nervous, and it's like, no, being nervous is why you're here. This, yeah, this what is what we pay for. Yeah, this is this is why we're doing what we're doing. We enjoy the pressure and the trying to succeed under that pressure. And sometimes it's not going to go your way, and that's just that is what it is. It doesn't make it any less fun. I mean, it's a bummer when you don't when you don't succeed the way that you were hoping to but i also remind people that hey listen in any sport at a high level you're going to lose more often than you're going to win and that's why the winning feels good when you when you do get it done because it doesn't happen very often it's pretty rare only one person at a tournament gets to win right everybody else has to lose so (laughs) yeah so 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 it's not (laughs) it's it's not a feeling that that we get to have all the time and that's why it feels so good when we do it but that doesn't mean that you should that you should shy away from from the fact that you're nervous or the the uncomfortableness that you get in a pressure situation that's that's why i do it and i love that feeling and so i have just convinced myself that hey you love this feeling there's no reason to be nervous there's no reason to think that you're not going to perform under this pressure. This is why you're here. You're, you're here to, to feel this. Right. So, so for me, I I don't feel like I'm at a point anymore where I'm going to jump up there and ever choke under the pressure. I'm going to stand up there. I'm going to shoot a good shot. And one of two things are going to happen. I'm going to lose or I'm going to win. Right. So, right. And, and, and if you kind of look at it like that, well then the, the overwhelming nervousness goes away. Mm -hmm. And, the other part that I don't think people understand, and, and I, I've tried to tell like my dad this, I've tried to tell a lot of people, is that even people at the highest level, they don't ever stop getting nervous. That That's always there. The Jesse Broadwaters of the world and the mm-hmm. and the Galantines and, and all these really, really fantastic shooters, the Chris Perkins, these guys still get nervous. They're just really good at handling it. Yes. People have asked me in the past, like, basically, how do you turn that off? And I've told them there is no turning it off that's there you make peace with it that's you know? exactly that that's exactly it is you you don't turn that off you th- you think those guys standing at vegas playing for the fifty thousand dollar check aren't nervous these guys are nervous as hell yeah they're just are you more right you know they're just they're calm cool collected they they you know they they look they appear that they're not nervous but i guarantee you i mean they've done they've done the thing where they like have them hooked up to heart rate monitors and you can see their heart rate is skyrocketed even though they look calm and cool on the outside right Uh these guys are still nervous so embracing that and and learning to thrive on that rather than being fearful of it i think is key yeah i i agree i I think you're 100 percent right dude so getting back to your adventure here 
you won the first Dakota Classic. Yep. You got a stick butt belt buckle. Yeah, yeah, that was that was pretty cool. I wasn't. And you got the bowl. <laughs> you got the bowl for field also. Got the bowl. Yep. <laughs> cool. So then we uh, then we go outside and we do the outdoor target. And mm-hmm. so the the six hundred round. Um, I I did not feel like I shot it well. I I was only uh, qualified well enough to be in third place after the six hundred round. And I was seven points behind Danny Button. And it was super, super windy that day. And I refused to pull out a button and start punching. I'm just like, no, I shoot a hinge. I'm not going to punch. If I lose this thing, I lose this thing. But I refuse to punch. And also, I kind of tried to explain this to some people. And some people kind of understand where I'm coming from. And some people are like, nah, you're stupid. Um, But I pretty much refuse to aim off. Um, even in the wind, I just click my side around. Dude, right? I do the same so, thing. I do the and, exact same thing. And, and, and here's my reasoning for it. My, I shoot a hinge and I think that I shoot really, really well at just aiming and letting my brain find the sight picture that it wants and letting the shot fire. Right. The last thing that I want to do is teach my brain that it's okay for my pin to hold in the nine ring and fire. Right. Yeah, or do I, something that is wholly unnatural. Yeah. So I don't want to, I don't want to be shooting field one day and, and my pin sitting out of the dot on the right hand side and the brain being like, Oh, it's cool to fire the shot here. We did this all week last week. Right. Uh-huh. Like we, so my, my whole, my whole spiel on that is no, I only want my brain okay with firing the bow when the pin is exactly in the middle of the target. So, right. Cause that's I'm going to train for. I'm going to just keep aiming at the middle target and I'm just going to keep clicking my side around. And if it, you know, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a big wind shooter. If it doesn't work for me, it doesn't work for me. I don't play the feet game that much. Right. So I'm just like, whatever fields, my game, safari's my game. I don't really care if, if I don't do amazing on this one. So I ended up seven points behind, um, the 900 round day went into the 900 round saying, okay, you're, you're not going to win this one just shoot the best that you can. And, you know, we'll see. I had been shooting long distance stuff really, really well um, all week. And I was like, all right, just have a, just have, you know, a good, a good distance at 60. And, you know, you might be able to, because I was only three points out of second. It was like, I might be able to leapfrog into second, probably not going to catch Danny, but that's okay. Just, just shoot a good one. So it was a little bit windy, but not nearly as bad as the day before. And I only dropped three at 60 and I was like, all right, well, that was solid. Um, I ended up catching up. I was only, once we left 60, I was only two points behind. Wow. Blake, you still there? Blake, did I lose you? Yeah, I'm sorry, dude. I don't know if that was my phone or my internet. Okay, so where we left off was you were two points behind Danny. Yeah, so went into uh, went into fifty two points behind Danny, uh-huh. and uh, so I was yards. like, all right, yeah. Uh-huh. So I was like, all right, I just uh, I just need a good one here, and uh, you know, we'll see what happens. And so I ended up dropping one, and he ended up dropping three. So I'm like, all right, well. I, we're tied now and going into 40, I had like a 15 X lead. So I was like, man, if you just clean 40, you're going to complete this comeback and you're going to get her done. So I ended up cleaning 40 and unfortunately Danny actually ended up dropping one at 40. So I ended up beating him by a point. Um, 
But I was just, I mean, when we were done, I was so in shock. I was just like, and people were like, dude, you just won all three. And I was just like, I cannot believe that I made up seven points and one, you know, so, and that actually also ended up being a national record, the 896. Holy crap. I was a I was a little bit surprised that an 896 was the national record because I've beat an 896 at like club shoots several times, uh-huh. but but that being said, they have this big giant windy field there, and it's like yeah, an 896. I mean that that's actually pretty good on this windy field. So right, right. It wasn't some cakewalk here. So yeah, so it, so it ended up being a salt. Now the outdoor target thing hasn't been going for for a very long time i mean only like four or five or something years now so i mean an 896 isn't going to stand very long i wouldn't imagine somebody's going to beat that relatively quickly in the next couple of years hey dude maybe um, it'll be you <laughs> yeah well uh yeah i mean dude, you got gold at three fucking national events in a row like that is amazing thank you i appreciate dude, it yeah you're it, gonna it get, was like you're gonna get well i would imagine you get something close to shooter of the year well, I didn't shoot. I don't know. I, I didn't shoot, shoot Cincinnati, right? I didn't shoot since. Yeah, I didn't shoot Cincinnati. So that puts me like six hundred points behind. So I imagine that <laughs> I, 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 I imagine I can't get it. But oh uh, yeah, I guess. Oh, it depends on if these other guys shot Cincinnati or Vegas. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Vegas didn't happen this year, so I don't know if that's even on the list. Yeah, I have no idea how yeah, it works. They, they I don't even know if they're doing it. They normally drop one, one event. There's like five that you can shoot or four, and then they'll drop one. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Either way, I mean, still really effing awesome, dude. I appreciate it. And I, you know, I listened to your, uh, I listened to the one where you're talking about, you know, your, your record getting beat. And I was like, oh man, you know, I feel, I feel bad about that. Hell no. Drop (laughs) ready, Blake. Just drop it, dude. Because you know what? It's a, what you did is an amazing thing and it needs to be done. It has to be done. And it's just awesome that it happened and that you did it. And you know what I mean? Like that feeling I had has long since passed. And I literally feel nothing but positivity and happiness for you, dude. I, I, you know, I, I really appreciate that, but I mean, you know, it sucks. I mean, I've, I've had state records beat before and it's just like, ah, you know, oh, so, bummer. Yeah, yeah, dude, there, yeah, so. there is that, but, you know what? I, I just remember when I was competing and winning, the second I got on that airplane ride home, I was thinking about the next event. I wasn't sitting there and bathing in the record. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. Yeah. And I rarely do that. If I do it, I'll do it for a few minutes. And I'll be like, oh, yeah, I remember when I shot this. That was cool. That's in the past. You know what I mean? The, yeah. this, the second that event is over, people will start training for the next event. That's right. And that's how it should be. I mean, you know, yeah, if, exactly. If, I used to if you're the my friends yesterday didn't happen, you know what yeah. I mean? It's, it's gone. So like, you know, I, I'm, I, I had to put my little like two cents out there because all my friends, were... how do you feel? Aside from that, dude, I feel amazing. And I'm super happy for what you did. Cause what you did, I think is great for the sport as a whole. You that's know good. what I mean? That's, yeah. Yeah. I think, See, I think, yeah, you know, go on, go on, go on. we're uh, we're listening to actually we're driving down to Omaha and we're listening to um, the one that you did with Rudy. And actually, that uh-huh. was that was one of the reasons I was like, OK, we have to do a follow up. I got I got to talk about some stuff here. So, number one, uh-huh. you don't yes. give yourself enough credit. 
and we were talking about that, and I was just like, you know what, this dude is a badass shooter. And so one of my one of my pet peeves in any sport, it, it's not uh-huh. even just archery, it's any sport, is when is when viewers or spectators or or whatever it is, fans have short term memories, right? So uh-huh. you know, using like Tiger Woods as an example, Tiger Woods is without a doubt the greatest golfer that's ever played the game. But because he hasn't won a couple of tournaments and, you know, a couple of years, it's like people just forget about him. And it's like, dude, I hate that in sports, right? Like, (laughs) I hate that. If you're going to judge somebody in sports and you're going to compare them to somebody, you have to compare their their career as a whole and what they've done as a whole. Right. Tiger Mm -hmm. Woods is tied for the most PGA wins of all time. Right. Mm -hmm. He is the greatest golfer of all time. And he did it in a harder era. Right. So. He, in, in my mind, he is the greatest golfer that's ever played ever, no matter what, until somebody can do what he did with a golf club. He's the greatest. It doesn't matter if somebody gets on a hot streak and wins 10 in a row. They're not better. They're not greater than Tiger Woods. Right. right? So okay. you don't give yourself enough credit because you're always sitting here blasting on yourself. And I'm like, dude, you had a 559 at nationals. You've won at a national level. You've done this when, you know, when I first started, you know, I, I remember, going to these outlaw events and looking at you guys and some of my buddies and just being like, God damn, these guys are so good. Like I'm never going to be able to do this. Right. So (laughs) you got to give yourself more credit because you don't understand how influential you have been to people like myself. Right. People, people, because you know, when you go back like six, seven, eight years and and look at the outlaw standings and look at where Mm -hmm. I was. And that's the thing I tell people all the time. People, People only want to know your story after you're winning, right? So, so you know, back eight years ago when I was terrible and I was at the bottom of the standings, nobody knew who I was, but I was still there. I just, I was right. just the guy that decided I wanted to be at the top of the standings where not a lot of people do that, but I was still there, right? Uh-huh. So you go back there and you can look and all these guys at the top are the reason that I was pushing so hard and wanted to get good is because like, I, I was like, well, I want to have my name up there someday. Hell yeah, um, so you got to give yourself more credit, right? That was my only complaint on your podcast. Oh, you got to stop mashing on yourself. <laughs> Blake, we, <laughs> hey, honestly, I really appreciate it. And I'm honored to ever be considered in a category with greats like you and greats like Tate. And, you know, uh, it, it just means, it means a lot to me, man. Like, uh, I, I think a very highly of anyone well, you know, I mean, puts you, the work you, in. You, you've done the work, you know, and like I said, until, until last week, you had a national record. I mean, you've won at a national level, which, at, you know, that it, it is something that not very many people get to experience. And right. unfortunately, I, I am fortunate enough now to have been able to experience that. But that was kind of the one thing where it's like, man, I have won at every level. I've won regionals. I've won state stuff. I've won more yes. local stuff than I can count. But I've, I, I cannot say that I have ever won an archery tournament at the national level. I have been second place in the amateur in Reading like two, three years in a row. And I just, I just haven't been able to get it done. And it was one of those things like, God, I want to be able to say that I've won at a national level. Right. And you you can say that right not many people can say that so you gotta give yourself more credit to me it's one of those things about this this commentary on archery as a form of expression like it's why i didn't i stopped feeling bad about that record being broken because i felt this this pure form of expression that you are currently feeling like you know what i mean and I can only feel happy for you because you've been able to achieve that feeling as well. 
you right. know? And it's just an awesome thing. Um, I had a question. Oh, this is not a listener question. This is actually a question from me is um, what's next on your bucket list? Like what's next on your hit list for like, what's your next goal? Well, um, for, for this summer, I guess, um, the only thing that I have left that I'm going to do is I'm going to do the, the FIDA field, the world team trials in Darrington this summer. It's uh, the oh, first cool. week of September there. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to practice real hard this summer and I'm going to get good at ranging those targets and, and, uh, see what we can do for that. Is there um, no, um, is there no range finders for FIDA field? Yeah. So I don't know if you've ever played that game, but they, what they call it. It's the uh, it's the yellow bullseyes with the black target. Yeah, and the so, world archery style. Yeah, yeah, world archery. Everything's in meters. There's no electronics, so you can't use archer's mark. You can't use a rangefinder. You can't use anything like that. Can't um, use zebros sight, right? Or the like, a little f- light up fiber or anything. Yep, right? yep. Can't use any of that. No electronics at all. And they have the unmarked round. Well, in in three D archery, when you draw back, when when you set your sight and you draw back, if you let down, you can't move your sight. Right. Well, in in feet of field, you can you can draw back and you can hold your sight pin against a target. And if you identify how what target face you're looking at, say it's the 40 centimeter, the 60, the 80 centimeter, whatever it is, and you compare your sight to that target at full draw, you can there's a system where you can range that and figure out, okay, my sight pen goes into the target this far, or it looks this big against my scope. This is how far away it is. And people like Dave cousins who are really, really good at this claim that they can do this within half a meter, right? They can, they can, they can range a target, any target at any distance within half a meter. Um, So for them, for them, it's not truly an unmarked round. They draw back, they look at the target, they range it, they let down, they set their sight, they draw back, they shoot it in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've got to, I've played this game once. I wasn't super good at it. So I've got to get real good at trying to learn the ranging system. Uh-huh. And we'll, we'll see. We'll see how cool. that goes. So um, when is this, you said this is in the summertime? Yeah, so it's the, it's the first week of September there. It's like the third and fourth oh, wow. or you know, something, something like that um that's but anyways so what i want to talk about is we gotta we gotta go back to and circle back to that pro discussion because i listened to i listened to uh your your podcast with rudy Uh and one of the so it was actually really good and so my argument for you know we talked about this last time my argument for not wanting to shoot pro i i have a few i have a few of them right but but my my main reason my my I, main, I, I so so am on track with you there. So go on, my go main on. my main reason is that I think it's really really weird that archery is the one sport where you don't have to earn it, right? You can just any <laughs> literally pre, pretty much anybody can just say, okay, I'm a pro today, and pay their seventy five dollars, and now they're a professional archer. And I mm-hmm. and I and I have kind of an issue with that. I think that's a little bit weird. I also yeah. think that the pro status should be. Uh, I, it should be for those people that are traveling and out there making money shooting a bow, which is not me, right? That's I, I, I own a shop, but I don't make money shooting a bow. Um, that being said, Rudy said something that I was like, you got me. Yep. You, you absolutely, you make an amazing point and you got me. And he was talking about the fact that in archery, you don't start at the bottom and move up. You just start in that a class right mm-hmm. and 
if I would have had to start in a C class, like let's use the outlaw stuff for an example, right? Because we can all relate to that. So yeah. when I'm at when I'm at the bottom of the standings and I'm looking at Wendell's name up here on the top of the standings and I'm saying that's where I want to be, right? If you were sitting there shooting a pro level and I was starting down there in the C level and I had to work my way through the C class, the B class, the A class, I guarantee you that I would be like, yeah, I want to be in the pro class. Like that's where I want to be. Mm-hmm. But the fact that I started at the bottom of the A class and just worked my way to the top of the A class, like I've never been one of those people to just be content with where I am. Like I always want to push and get better and better and better. And the fact that I'm essentially saying like, hey, I've made it to the top of the A class and now I'm content. Like that's not me anyways, right? Like that's not that's not how I've ever been with with anything that I've ever done. So right. And in that with that argument, it's like, yeah, it makes sense to go to the pro class because the pro class, I'm I'm probably not starting at the bottom, but I'm certainly not at the top of the pro class, right? I'm going to be somewhere in the middle and now I have to try and work my way up another class. And and uh, so, you know, with that argument, I'm like, yeah, okay, I'll, 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 uh, I, th- I think I'm going to do it. I think I'll shoot pro next year. So it's awesome, dude. So, yeah, I mean, uh, single handedly, Rudy, I, I don't, I, I think <laughs> I've only met him like one or two times and single handedly, it was his argument that, that had me, we were driving to Omaha and I was like, well, God damn it. I guess yeah. I got to shoot pro. <laughs> He's right. Well, <laughs> I was like, well, so. Rudy's a very, He's like a really good salesman, you know. Like, <laughs> well, he, he sold sell, me on it. Uh, I mean, he could sell a jet ski in a lab. I mean, well, it, I mean, it, I mean, if you just think about it, the argument makes sense, right? I mean, it yes. makes sense. And and then and then you know the other the other part is like we we're talking about earlier. I had as an amateur, I had never won anything at at, at a national level, and it's like, okay, guys, because before you force me into the pro level, how about you let me try and. Yeah, spend a year or two and win something like I would really like to win something at that level. And now and now that I was able to have such a good week and I got, you know, I got a bunch of wins under the belt. It was like, okay, all right. Well, now that I've done that, perhaps I should jump up now. Right. Like, it makes sense. I don't I don't want somebody to look at me as like, oh, he's just a sandbagger and he's staying in that class because he wants to win. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he should be pushing himself. And, and now that I, you know, now that I've won something, it's like, okay, yeah, I think that, I think that argument is a lot more valid at this point. So yeah. So, yeah, so I'm going to go ahead and do it next year. And that's uh, awesome, dude. Yeah. So I, I, I think it'll be cool. It'll be uh it'll be fun to go back to being crushed every tournament. That'll be great. I'll but... be right there with you, dude. <laughs> I'm going to re- renew my pro uh, thing. I got bullied by my sandbagger talk. So I was like, okay, I'll go back to taking my lumps, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not it's not a super fair argument until you have won at the national level, right? Like if you if you've never won anything, you you can't sit there and call somebody a sandbagger. It's like that's that's not really fair. Um, right. But, you know, it, and and again, you've won at the national level, so you've got to feel that. And so, yes. you know, so maybe Mark it does a little the, bit more. He gets the uh, you know, he call me a sandbagger as well yeah so. to- and, and totally fine <laughs> but you know it, but you know I, henry bass had uh said something to my buddy kit and was like oh you know you need to convince blake to shoot at the pro level and kit was like dude he hasn't won anything at the amateur level like give him a break this guy has spent the last 10 years of his life getting to a point where he can maybe win something at a national level like give him a break let him try and win something 
right? After, a, he, after he wins something, then he'll probably do it. So that is a solid argument, dude. Like that's that right there is a solid argument. It's like, what are you training for? What are you trying to do? You have a goal in mind. It's like, let me do right. my thing. And then afterwards, yes. if I feel like it, I'll do your thing. You know? Yeah. <laughs> no, but I mean, Rudy was the one that was like, because he even said it. He was like, if if he had to start, and he was referring to me, he was like, if he had to start at the C class and work his way up, I guarantee he'd have no no qualms with going pro. And I'm like, God damn it. That's a good argument. Like, yep, he's right. <laughs> he's absolutely right. I mean, 100%. If I had Rudy's to start... Gonna be- He's going to be so happy to hear this. <laughs> if I had to start at the bottom and, and pro level getting to that top was the original goal, then yeah, I would absolutely want to shoot pro and I wouldn't want to stay, you know, so it makes Dude. sense. I got, I, I'm just going to do it. Rudy, Rudy hearing about how he was right is how he hates foreplay with his wife. So like, <laughs> he is so damn, like when he hears this, I'm sure I'm going to get a phone call. <laughs> That's good. That's funny. Yeah, no, I, I mean, if Rudy's listening to this, I, I do appreciate I mean, that it, it was the best argument that I've had to do it, right? Everyone else, everybody else's argument is just, oh, you're too good. You have to give other people a chance. And I don't think that that's, yes. a, I don't think that's a fair argument because it's like, well, it's not my fault that nobody else wants to work to, to put in the work to get to, to get to that level. You know, yeah. why, why should, why should I force myself into another class just to let other people that don't work as hard win? That doesn't seem fair to me. That's but 100% for, right, dude. I agree yeah, and for, for, for somebody to come out and say, listen, your original goal was to get to the top. So that's what you should be trying to keep striving for. It's like, all right. Yep. You got me. Yeah. So, so good. Good job, Rudy. <laughs> <laughs> well, dude, that's awesome, man. I, I like the way you worded that, dude. you you're good at, I mean, you're, you're good at explaining things. I think that's why your students are also really good at archery. You know what I mean? That's a, that's, that's actually, so coaching is probably, I probably enjoy coaching more than I actually enjoy shooting my bow myself. And I, I've always said from the beginning that I get so much more out of watching like Isabel and Kaylee go out and crush these state records um, than I do for myself going out and winning something like Kaylee, for example, while I was at nationals, they stayed, they stayed local and they shot our state field and Uh Kaylee at 16 years old, the, the original um, state field record for the adult female class. Now, mind you, they're only 16. They're shooting in the adult class. Uh-huh. Um, the the original state record was like 24 years old and it was like a 544 or something. And Kaylee went out on the field round, not even the hunter round on the field round. She went out and shot a 553 on a hard course Jesus. At, at 16 and broke a like 24 year old record. So she broke the, she broke all four records. She broke the, the field record, the hunter record, the animal record and the aggregate record all at 16 and just destroyed it. And I was like, yeah, that's way cooler than what I just did. Right. Like I just I just I remember them being these little these little tiny 10 year old girls who were just, you know, the very first time I ever watched them shoot a bow. I was like, my God, we have a lot of work to do. Right. So to so to take them from that to where they are now, like these girls are they're going to be big names in archery. They're going to be huge. Mm-hmm. Um, they've already won so much. I mean, it no nobody has talked about it this year and it's crazy but like isabel won the adult female amateur at reading this year she won a national championship in the adult class Holy as crap. a 16 as a 16 year old and like nobody knows about it and i'm just like dude these 
these girls are amazing. Like they went out and won this at 16 years old and her sit, you know, Kaylee took second at that. So they, they like one, two sweep everything. It's like everything they go to, they're always first and second. I don't know which order it's going to be, but they always take first and second. And, and for me, like that's, that's a way cooler accomplishment. I, I would much rather see that than, you know, even care about anything that I'm doing because they actually have a chance to go do something cool in archery. You know, like I, I'm, I'm at the age where it's like, uh, you know, no, no one's, no one's probably going to ever pay me to shoot a bow, but they could still go to college for, for archery. They could, they could shoot world cup stuff and travel the world. Maybe someday keep your fingers crossed. Compound archery will be in the Olympics. Right. Um, so, I mean, they've, they've got all of these opportunities that, that archery could do for them. And, you know, I, I just think it's super cool to, to watch the progress that they've had. And, yeah. And, 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 uh, co- coaching is just kind of one of my, one of my favorite things to do. I mean, I, I am, I am a sucker for giving out lessons for free all the time. People will come into the shop and it's like, Hey, do you want to, do you want a quick lesson? And then that quick lesson turns into like an hour and a half spiel of how they should, you know, it's just, but <laughs> people, people always respond really, really well to it. They like the way that I explain things to them and I try and break it down in, in a way that people can understand it. And, and I always remind people that like, Hey, I was you at one point, like I didn't know how to shoot a bow. Like when I first, the first 10 years that I shot a bow, I was just hammering the trigger. Like I didn't know any different. I had to be taught. So I've went through everything that you guys are going through. Let me teach you how to shoot the bow properly. Let, let's, let's, uh, let's try and relearn some things and let me uh-huh. show you and let me break down what it takes to be accurate. And uh, I, th- I think also, you have like an enthusiasm. And what I noticed is every time I've interviewed you, you're so easy to talk to because we're talking about archery. And you have like an enthusiasm and I get like an excitement about archery that, you I, know, I and the, it's infectious. It's yeah, infectious. and that's what that, that's that that's the and that's where I try and, and separate myself in the shop. Right. And, and so when people come in the when people come in the door, they're not just dollar signs to me. I don't look at them as customers. It's potential people to share archery with. Like, I just have such an overwhelming passion for archery that when people come in the shop, it's like, yeah, let me help you out. Let me teach you how to do this. Let's you know, let's talk hunting. Let's talk target. Like, what are your goals? What do you want to do? And so. I just, I just really enjoy the sport and and all I ever want to do is just share that passion with people. And if I can make a living doing it and support myself and my family, that's cool too. But for me, number one, it's just, I just want to, I just want to spread the passion. You know, I just want people to like archery the way I like archery. Uh Uh-huh. Spreading the gospel kind (laughs) of. That's it. That's it, man. (laughs) Oh, dude, that's so cool, man. I, I, uh. I've done a little bit of time in the shop uh, and man, I got to say that's tough work, man. You, you guys, you guys like you and Rudy, it, my hat's off to you. <laughs> you know, it, it can be hard. It, it can also be super rewarding because you do get a lot of people who you get to share that knowledge with and you, you and you, they come in and a lot of people that come in, they're just intimidated. They don't know. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know the right questions to ask. They have no idea. So I just, try and take them under my wing. And it's like, Hey, don't worry about it. You don't know what you don't know. So don't worry about stupid questions. If you don't, if you have a question, just ask. And if you think it's stupid, it's, it's okay, man. You don't know what you don't know. So I'm, I'm here to, I'm here to help you. The ones that are tough for me are the guys that come in and they just act like they know everything. And it's just like, (laughs) they, they know more than you. They've been shooting a bow for 50 years. And it's just like, 
it's like, okay, okay. You know, and, and it's hard to help them because it's like, they don't even think they think that you're wrong about everything. Yeah. <laughs> correct. Or they, you know, and it's just, you know, I, I tried to make a correct one. The example that always stands out in my head is I had a guy come in one time and his, his draw length was dude, probably three inches too long. I mean, it was so long. It was like behind his head and he was wanting me to lengthen it. And I was like, you know, and I was like, listen, it's actually, in my opinion, and I, I try to be super nice about it, but it's like, Hey, in my opinion, it's actually already too long. Um, you know, kind of, let me, let me show you how, like when I draw back where I would anchor kind of how I would set a bow up. And he was like, son, I've been doing this for 40 years. You don't know what you're talking about. And I'm like, uh, Oh, okay. Okay, man. Like, yeah. you know, and it's just like, and, and, it, and the draw length is already so long. And it's like, I don't want to make it longer because he's going to go, he's going to go to some range somewhere. And someone's going to be like, Oh God, who set you up? And they're gonna be like, Oh, Blake at triple X. And it's just like, Oh, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? So I'm just like, my God. So the, oh, the customers that come in and they're wanting to learn, or they're just wanting to talk bow hunting, or they're wanting to talk, you know, target archery or whatever. Like those are the ones that I really enjoy. But, you know, mm-hmm. it, it can be hard. You, there, there can be some long, horrible days in there. But for the most part, I really enjoy it. Yeah, that's cool. You managed to keep the passion. That... Yeah. I think yeah. that's important. You managed to keep the enthusiasm going. Yeah, I think that's the most important thing. It's just, you know, it, it, it truly is one of those things where it's like I found a way to make a living doing something that I actually love to do. So when I wake up in the morning, I don't I don't dread going to work. I don't dread the drive in. I don't uh, you know, it's it's not like, oh, I got this horrible job that I have to go do. I'm not just trying to get through the day like I actually enjoy it. I enjoy the whole the, the whole part of it. So, right. I think that's important. That's a, a yeah. huge part of just finding happiness. Yeah, I agree. So, Blake, real quick, uh, earlier you said you shot a 10,000 Spyber. Are you shooting a four-power scope? I shoot a six, actually. Six-power scope? Well, I might have asked you this on the last podcast. I don't think so. Clarifier? I don't shoot a clarifier. I just shoot a – so I shoot a a smaller aperture, um, and I just kind of let that – well, my my lens is clear-ish, but I I allow it to be blurry. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. I kind of like it being blurry. I've played around with clarifiers and having a sharp sight picture, just sharp, uh-huh. sharp, crystal clear. I don't feel like I aim as well, or I shouldn't say that I don't aim as well. I don't execute as well. When I have those sharp, really defined lines, if that pin starts to get out towards the edge of the dot, my brain will automatically freeze up and it doesn't want to fire the shot. Oh, if that okay. if, if that line is a little bit blurred, just a little, and I'm not talking like so blurry that I can't see it, but like say if you're shooting an orange dot, and it's just that line is a little bit blurred. As my pin works its way out to that line, I don't panic, right? Because I there's not this high contrast of where the dot is to to where the where the miss would be, right? So right. I'm able to stay a lot more relaxed and just kind of keep staring at the middle and let that pin and work then, its way back to the middle. Yeah, instead of bring it back, right, right? Instead of letting that pin get down towards that sharp contrast, like oh man, I'm on the edge of the dot, and then everything freezes and I can't get anything to move. I can't get the shot to fire. So for me, I like a little bit of a blurry sight picture. Oh, cool. Yeah, that's, that's cool. I think uh, I know a handful of people that listen to this that are gonna like seriously consider like. Oh, that that's a viable, you know, that, like that's a legit reason right there. Yeah. And, and I would recommend at least giving it a try. I'm, I'm one of those people where I don't think that there's any one 
concrete way to do anything. I mean, there's right. some people, there's some people that really, really like a sharp, crystal clear sight picture. And I mean, if that works for you, that works for you. For me, yeah. it doesn't. For me, I know that I freeze up more, especially if we're talking like indoor archery. If, if we're shooting out of Vegas round and I can see sharp defined lines, I will absolutely freeze. Um, so do you shoot I, the fiber indoor also? Or do I you shoot, shoot the big dot. Not, so I, I, I have shot the big dot in the past. And I think that you end up actually over aiming a little bit. I think people worry too much about trying to really cover that entire yellow. Whereas with a fiber, I hold strong enough that I can hold that fiber in the middle pretty well. And I don't over aim. I just stare at the middle of the target and let it fire. And then after a few shots, now I have that nice black hole in the middle and it's easy to get my pin to fire on that black hole every Uh single time. So for me, I went from last year was the first year that I used a fiber indoor. And I went from being about a like 23 to 24 X shooter. I would shoot a lot of like 323s, 24s, 25s would be like a, you know, 25, 26 would be a really high game. Um, to going to a fiber indoors and I mean my lowest rounds last year were like 26 x's I mean I was shooting a lot of 28s 29s 27s and not not just in practice either but like most of my most of my tournament scores were like 328s 329s um at at our state indoor actually um the old record was a 600 with 49 x's out of 600 with 60 obviously it was 649 um, I went and shot a 329 X and was like, Oh man, that's cool. That's the one day state record. Like that's going to be a tough one to ever beat. And that record held for exactly like 13 hours. And I went and shot a 330. <laughs> and uh, so I shot, I shot one X down for the weekend with a fiber. And I was just like, yep, fiber is the way to go for Holy sure. <laughs> shit, dude. I'm ordering a fiber. <laughs> so I, I mean, for me, if, if you're, if you're a strong enough aimer if you can sit there and you can hold the uh the pin in the middle i think a fiber is a better way to go because as soon as you get that black dot in the middle if your brain is really good at being able to hold on a black dot and and fire on a black dot um or a black hole in the middle of a target right because when we're shooting outdoors right and say you're at a field target and you start to get a black dot in a black hole in that target, your eye gets drawn into that and you start hitting that black hole every time. Yes. Right. And the same thing happens indoor. If you can get that black hole going, your eye gets drawn to that and you can hit that black hole every single time. Yes. Um, so if you're somebody that aims well enough that you can get your pin to hold in the middle and then you can get that black hole started in the middle immediately, you're you're gonna shoot really really high rounds and we, and we did this uh we did this test last year where we put a laser pointer on my bow and we saw how well I could hold like what we had to do is we we uh put a laser pointer on my bow and I would draw back and I would aim at a target and then the laser pointer would be like down there on the bale somewhere and then like we went and put another target where that laser pointer was on the bale to see how it held on a target um when I'm aiming. Right. Uh And my laser pointer would like sit in the X, like it would barely leave the X. It would just kind of sit there and it might kind of move out into the 10 ring a little bit, but it would basically just sit in the middle of the X ring. And so I, so on the indoor stuff, I can hold really, really well. So for me, a pin makes sense. Is this um, a green pin? Yeah, I shoot a green. I I think a standard, standard pin. Yeah. Yep, ten thousandths pin. It's the AV thirty one with the ring pin um, is what I use, and 
for me that that green pin that spectrum is the is the spectrum that people generally see the best and for me you know up here in washington we shoot uh a lot of stuff in like the dark timber um so i can usually see that pretty well in the dark timber the only time that 10,000s pin is really tough is if i'm start standing somewhere that's dark and the target is really really lit up then that pin starts to wash out a little bit and that can be really hard or if it's just really, really dark out, like the first day of field this past week, it was mm-hmm. super dark and I wasn't able to see my pin very well. But other than that, I can pretty much always see it. Awesome. Dude, I'm, I'm ordering one. <laughs> I, you know, try it. I, I like it a lot. I, I think just a sm- it's, it's kind of that whole like aim small, miss small thing. Like I just, the, the small little pin for me, I end up holding better Dude, when I shot. Got... Oh, I'm sorry. Go on, go on. I was just going to say when I shot the big dot indoors, I, I, you know, it just, it wasn't as good. There was, there was a, there was an immediate improvement when I went to a fiber. Uh-huh. The, which you said earlier about the black hole, like shooting a, uh, a hole and then your eye being drawn to it. And then you like sinking arrows into that hole over and over again. Yeah. Uh, I have heard Rhea Wild talk about that as well for FIDA. And during the practice rounds, he will shoot, he'll have like 20 arrows in his quiver and he'll blast yeah. 20 arrows at the practice. And he's yeah. like, I'm punching a black hole in there. Yes. Yes. So that so, all makes sense to me. So at the Dakota Classic, um, I did that. So we get, you get two practice ends, right? And it's like, I don't even remember how it, it's like four minutes, right? It's like four minutes to shoot as many arrows as you want. And it starts at 40 yards, right? But until I get that black hole in that target, just aiming at a big yellow center is kind of a hard thing to do. And so I literally shot like 15 arrows at a time. Like I was shooting as many arrows as I could in four minutes to just keep pounding them in the middle at, at, uh, at 40 yards. And by the time we started our actual official end, I already had a pretty good hole going in the middle. And by the time we got out to 60, I was like the only target down there that had this beautiful little black hole punched in the center (laughs) of my target. And so at 60 yards, I'm able to hold that pin in that black hole and just keep breaking shots in that black hole. And so that's why I shot it so well, I think. So, yeah, absolutely. Your eye will definitely get drawn to the contrast on that target. So if you're looking at just a big yellow dot and there's a black hole there, your eye is going to automatically get drawn to that and you're going to keep breaking shots on that hole. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I, so I, I think that's I think that's great advice. Yeah, I hope everyone out there is listening is is taking this to heart. This is some real real shit here. <laughs> yeah. Well, dude, uh, thank you, Blake, for coming back on, man. I, I yeah. really appreciate it, man. Yeah, of course, anytime, man. I mean, you know, I I like doing this kind of stuff. So you just let me know when you want me to come back, and I dude, I would love to have you on more. Everything you say, I know, I know, my friends are gonna be like we want more like we want to hear more (laughs) you know because you always have such enlightening stuff to say and like all the information you give up is is just super awesome like i appreciate it dude i know my friends do as well yeah of course absolutely anytime awesome dude well thanks again blake congratulations and uh i really look forward to talking again with you in a little bit uh you know hopefully we do a little recap of uh darrington yeah yeah that would be good that would be a good one Cool, man. Well, All right, man. Night, Blake. Thank you. You do the same. All right. Take care. All right. Bye. Uh, I hope you guys really enjoyed that. Uh, it was super cool for Blake to come on and talk. And dude's been super busy traveling and shooting. And 
I can't believe he still listens to this podcast. <laughs> I mean, he just did something with Bo Junkie for a few minutes. I don't know if you guys saw that. You should check it out. Greg Poole says, calls himself a left coaster, which is like, you know, that's cool, Greg. Crin- cringy, cringy, but, you know, what isn't? What isn't these days? Um, I just wanted to thank you guys for tuning in. I want to thank DB Custom Coatings. Uh, they are the Sarah Coating the Sarah Coding Company for bows. Uh, you're about to see one of Darren's bows in the Olympics. So uh, stay tuned. Um, Carbon Craft Stabilizers. Y'all know I love them. And uh, I hope everyone's doing good. Thank you guys for tuning in again. If there's anything else you want me to cover, let me know. Um, I'm going to have some t-shirts coming out in a little bit. You know, they're just... They're just mess around shirts, you know. If you guys want any, let me know. I'll uh, get some printed up. But if we'll see what uh, I have a couple designs laid out. If you guys like them, you know, I'll let you guys vote on them or or whatever. All right. So thank you guys. Y'all have a good night. Uh, tip your waiters. Watch out for Bill Cosby, and I'll talk to you guys soon. Keep it exy.